0: And welcome to another episode of Friends, Facts and Fiction. As always, this podcast is made possible by our local convenience stores, the misappropriation of history, and you. And now to your hosts, Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shellnut.
1: What's up? What's happening, world? It's a podcast called Friends, Facts and Fiction. Episode what four now three. Episode three, season four, more to explore. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was at. That's how I was going yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. We're at, uh, well, yeah, we're back, back again. We're gonna talk about some, uh, some uh, emus and such.
2: Yeah, I figured I'd take a,
1: yeah. a, a page out of Drew's book since we're becoming. <laughs> And the uh, animals, and their critter and corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The there you corner. go. We're well, join uh, Drew in the critter corner. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just Namus. I'm looking at my boy Drew Sheldon. What's up, and my boy Grant Bramley. Hello. And uh, yeah, we're back in the building. Like I said, drop some more hot facts. <clears throat> we're actually doing this on Thanksgiving Day. Yes, we are. <laughs> Look at that. Happy Thanksgiving. And our illustrious
2: Uh-oh. engineer's birthday. Uh-oh. Hey. Uh-oh. Jeremy Mulder's Jeremy birthday Mulder today. Look at that. Turned a birthday today. Look at that.
1: The guy you yeah. hear in the, at the beginning and the end of the episodes. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, does the magic with our voices and things. Um, yeah, happy birthday, my dude. Uh, 21, birthday. gotta feel nice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Finally getting legal drinks out here, Uh uh-huh. you know? Um, what else can you do at 21? That's it. That's about it. Yeah. Cigarettes. Yes, yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Beer, states, yeah. yeah, yeah, cigarettes yeah. and beer. Yeah. Goddamn, twenty-one to get a cigarette, bro, legally. Woof.
3: Back in my day, but you can fight and <laughs> die for your country at eighteen. That's exactly
4: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> shit is wild. Bro. Damn. Can't, can't get a drink or a smoke, but you can put this uh, fucking yep. M sixteen in your hand and go shoot shit. Yeah, yep. you know. Where it should be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a great country
3: <laughs> Well, you know, you gotta build the angst up in the kids Before you let them drink So they yeah. have that like Oh, I
1: got you, that that hard, be, you PTSD be a and, The good PTSD yeah. To start the yeah, yeah. drinking problem yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For when they become veterans so, yeah. so so the people with the cure cause the problem Hey, mm. That's like a line somebody wrote That's a callback to something That if you're a true fan, you know it's cracking <laughs> But anyway, um yeah, we're back, man. I'm thankful for this podcast and everybody that's listening. Hope you're having a good Thanksgiving, you get some good food in you, you know, getting a week's worth of calories in a sitting, mm, that's um, right. you know, the American way. Um, yeah, we had a fantastic Friendsgiving this week. Shout out to everybody that came out for that. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of those people have been on the podcast or been in our lives for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. It was, it was beautiful, um, but I'm thankful for y'all, man, for tuning in, supporting us. Uh, again, you can support us at anchor.fm backslash Friends Facts and Fiction. You can always do that if you're feeling, uh, feeling nice and loose with them pockets for the holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, what, what are y'all feeling, man? How y'all, how y'all doing? Well, I just wanted to say what I'm thankful for, because
2: it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. so it seems fitting. I am thankful for this being the only fucking thing I have to do today. I'm literally sitting here in my PJs right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go my happy ass back over the couch Mm -hmm. with a blanket, and I'm going to start nodding off to some TV. It's going to be the best day. I'm so excited. Now, that is, to be fair, because I celebrated my first birthday back on the sauce as a bartender on our craziest night of the week, which is Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so, oh shit, it's your birthday? Let's take a shot. First two or three shots was, ah, I mean, yeah, all right, fine. The third shot was, fuck it, why not? <laughs> and then I proceeded to get almost blackout, and then I have a vague memory of them being like, hey, play drums, and me being like, no, 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 way too drunk for drums. And then they're like, no, 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 go do it. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this is bad. So I start yelling at everybody in the band. i was like, I'm too drunk to do this. Get another drummer. Too drunk. Too drunk, get another drummer. <laughs>
1: I remember that. Came back behind the board and it's like, that was horrible, bro. Why'd you let me do this? I mean, it sounded all right to me. I mean, given I'm drunk right now too, but it sounded all right to me. Then a vague Look, memory of uh, a
2: cake got brought out, which is very sweet. Blew the candles. People cheered. And then a slightly more vague memory of I'm pretty sure somebody just like grabbed a handful of the cake
1: and <laughs> then fed it to me. <laughs> yeah, that happened, and uh, Angel just like face dove in it and just bit a piece of it off. Okay, weird. Nice. Yeah, so nice. Everybody. <laughs> I don't know what it People was. Start gnawing on the cake like just face Everybody the cake. turned like, the fuck up. Word. Second uh, 2019 the, vibes. Maybe it was like the
2: oh shit the MVP of the drinking club. <laughs> Took a year off and he yeah. went into retirement for a year and mm. now he's back right, he's on the starting lineup. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, all yeah. fucking go. You know? Getting the, yeah. <laughs> Getting the we got the Super out the Bowl Raptors. win in here, baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: but, anyways,
2: that led to maybe the worst hangover I've ever had in my entire life. That sucks. Definitely the first hangover, real, real hangover in over a year. Mm hmm. I thought I was, like, legit sick. I mean, I had a yep, head cold yep, going like, into my birthday. Yeah,
1: boy, I, said, I thought I was going to die this morning. Bro. I really thought so.
2: <laughs> it was one point where I'm literally laying on the bathroom floor, like, head by the toilet, not needing to throw up. It's just yeah. the tile felt yeah, yep, yep, on my right. face. <laughs> I and mean, my feet hanging out into the, like, sink vanity area. And Grace finally comes back upstairs because she's pretty angry at me. And, like, cleaning the house for this big party that we're fucking throwing.
4: Yeah,
2: And it's like, oh, my God. Should we cancel? And I was like, ah, this isn't just a hangover. This is more. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, somebody texted the group saying that, like, one of my coworkers, a coworker at his other job tested positive for COVID. And I was like, I fucking knew it. I got COVID. That's what (laughs) this is. This can't possibly just be a hangover. We had the little at-home test kits, Mm -hmm. you know? And I took it, and it read negative. And I was like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Damn it, is this just a hangover? <laughs>
4: There's
1: no way out. Uh, oh, yeah. that was so bad. I'm yeah. never doing that shit again. Yeah, one of them teenager hangovers, bro. You know, yeah, well, when you face I mean, a ball of uh, aristocrat vodka or some shit, oh you yeah, wake up the next dude. day, like, oh, I've never been drinking again. bottle MD 2020, yeah, MD. Yeah, uh, it was so know, bad, dude. Wild Seriously. Hours Rose.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: Thunderbird, Don't
2: all know. that is just build up to why I'm so thankful that this particular Thanksgiving is PJ's
1: on the motherfucking couch. Right. Turn up. Yeah, Turn up, oh, yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. It's always good times. Just get, how you feeling, man? You all
3: right? You good? I'm doing well. Working, working some weird hours. We have a uh, a weird like two week lull before Christmas mm-hmm. parties kick back up. Mm, Got gotcha, you. Uh, so they're trying to find us uh, hours.
1: There you go. Which is for
3: it. weird. I mean, I don't mind the working every other day thing right now.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. It Doesn't really bother me that bad. But I would appreciate it if on those days I worked, it was like ten or twelve hours. Sure. sure. Because to uh, so straighten it out, straighten that out out money.
1: Me some of that money. Yeah, isn't a coming in right now? A little bit of straightening. Yeah.
3: Um. But yeah, I guess I'm thankful for the podcast, you guys, all of our little friend group and such here in some the good east. People
2: around us in the yeah.
3: East, nasty area.
1: Some broken people, but you know, <laughs> good people. Broken, are the, broken is the best. <laughs> you know, got to have some faults to be true.
3: Yeah, and I'm also very thankful for my fresh off the boat wife. <laughs> That didn't sound right. Oh! No. Fresh, Freshly wed wife. There you go. Fresh off the boat. No, she's not from... Yeah, she's fresh off the boat from Alabama.
2: I think her people helped found this country. They they probably did.
3: The fresh off the boat. Off the crazy Uh. boat. I mean, what? (laughs) No. Mm. But yeah. and Newly wed. Getting to see possible family for Christmas, but I don't know if I will or not. There you go. Because yeah. Carolyn works today, and she's probably going to be working. Well, I work today anyway. Uh, but she'll probably be working Christmas too, so mm,
4: really? or at least
3: Christmas Eve. Yeah. And we and she talked about like, well, Christmas Eve when I get off, I get off at like nine. We can just head to Birmingham, stay with my brother, and then go to your parents for like a couple hours, and then drive back. Here. And I'm like, that's a whole that's a lot. lot of that's a lot not, not
1: a lot. lot. There's a whole bunch of just hey, all right, bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, we can just FaceTime.
4: Yeah. It's cracking. We ain't crackin'. got nowadays. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know,
1: still, still kind of COVID out here. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just trying to chill.
3: <laughs> it's definitely going to be time to chill. It's going to be getting out of 26 tonight. Tomorrow's as yeah. 24. So it's, it's
1: nice, man. It's going to be real nice. I can't wait to just go and work tonight <laughs> and tell all these people
3: happy what Thanksgiving. What do they expect the turnout to be like? Is there usually
2: much of shit on Thanksgiving Day? This is a wedding rehearsal dinner.
1: Yeah,
2: the wedding reception or the wedding and the wedding reception is tomorrow at a different venue. Yeah. But it's obviously hosted
1: by who in the us, right
2: fucking the mind is company, doing us? that
1: on a Thanksgiving day? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's fucking selfish as yeah. fuck. It is what it is. Whatever, man. you know, it's, make them money. It's like when people in the South get married on a Saturday in the fall. Yep, you're slipping. You're slipping. Yeah. You're slipping. Anyway. (laughs) uh, (laughs) You got to have this. Anyway, love everybody. Um, So, yeah, um, we're going to slide into these hot facts. I was going do a little song of the day. Oh yeah, 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 the song of the day situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, what you got? What you okay. got lined up there, player?
2: So I got um, uh, "Excursions" by a little band called a tribe called Quest. And nice. Never heard of it. Huh. Yes, so it's one of those that popped
1: across, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I
2: fucking love this song." It's not Thanksgivingy at all, huh. um, other than you know a quest called with tribe, uh, a certain <laughs> individuals. History within this country, you know, it's very Mm -hmm. complicated for some. It's not all great for everyone, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Anyways, it
2: sounds a little like this. My pops used to say it reminded him of Bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way that Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. It's all expected. Things are for the looking.
1: If you got the money, Quest is for the booking. Come on, everybody, let's get with the fly mode. Still got room on the truck, load of black boat Listen to the rhyme to get a mental picture
2: of this black man, black woman picture. Why do I say that? Because I got to speak the truth, man. Doing what we feel for, but music is the proof. And it on the ground, the act is so together. I mean, for Q- Q-tip me, is a perfectionist, man. A big aspect of that was like the, you know, sample of that kind of sort of like raw, gritty kind of uh, walking bass line, you know, and obviously he's yeah. throwing that line in there about his dad saying it reminds him of bebop jazz, yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and how, and he's saying how everything goes in cycles, you mm-hmm. know, and I mean, you know, it just seems... Felt a little like America in a way It all comes today, back around, right?
1: up, you know? Happy, <laughs> happy eating food day.
3: This weird fucked up family we call America. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
2: right? So true, though. Yeah. yeah. Roll well, <laughs> tide to that. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> in, the, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I figured I'd talk about the emu.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. You're damn Sweet. right.
2: Australia's turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's that. And there's
1: that. Oh. Aggressive
2: birds. God, I would
3: not want to meet a turkey that was raised in Australia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's
2: called an emu, and they're terrified. They will, they will kill you. Literally everything in Australia will kill you, by the mm-hmm. way. All right, so check it out. The, the emu is the second largest living bird by height after the ostrich, reaching up to 6'2", hmm. and average between 69 and 82 pounds. 69. Nice. That is a big-ass bird. hmm Their range covers most of mainland Australia, while the Tasmanian, Kangaroo Island, and King Island subspecies became extinct after the European settlement of Australia in 1788, which I'll cover a little bit of that a little later on this season. Look at that. They got uh, soft feathers, and as much of us know, are flightless, but they can travel long distances, and when necessary, can sprint at 31 miles per hour. Jesus, damn they eat a large variety of plants and insects but can go for weeks without eating and drink infrequently but they take in copious amounts of water to like compensate for that mm. when the opportunity arises and they can drink continuously for up to 10 minutes.
4: It's
2: like, it like a camel situation. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah. So fucking season for emus is in May and <laughs> June and oh. the ladies are the ones that fight amongst each other for a mate. <laughs> even though they can mate several times and lay several clutches of eggs in a season. Sounding a lot like human dudes to me, (laughs) these lady emus. Uh, They're also (laughs) larger than males and have a noticeably larger donk. Donk. The males (laughs) are the ones who incubate the eggs and hardly eat or drink during the process, which is about eight weeks. And the hatchlings are reared by their fathers as well. They reach full size around six months, but they usually hang out as a family until the next fucking season comes around. <laughs> now, Aussies <clears> love this bird. It's featured on their coat of arms and in some of their monies. But, uh, or, and just need to say, their vestigial wings are hilariously small by comparison to their body, usually about eight inches. <clears throat> but they have a claw. They're 6'2". Like Mm-hmm. Yeah, the birds themselves are 6'2". <laughs> their little bitty wings are 8 inches. It's like a little right? T-Rex. Yeah. Like a reverse
0: T-Rex. Yeah. It is, dude. <laughs> and they have
2: this huge claw at the end of their wings that's oh, developed. Since they don't fly with it, they, they use own. it to, like, yeah. hook them. Fucking hook <laughs> and claw <laughs> and whip those little badasses around. <laughs> uh, and something that's even funnier... Fucking it's Baraka a, bird. They furiously flap their little wings, uh, we think for balance, while they're running at full speed. Uh. So if you just imagine, <laughs> these dudes are just, like, tucked in full sprint. Those little guys. Just
1: stay forward, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's,
1: like they, it's like they're trying to fly. They never kick it <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> I
2: just love it. So they only have three toes with sharp claws that total about six inches. So their toes are almost as long as their fucking wings. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Emus are large, powerful birds. Their legs are among the strongest of any animal and powerful enough to tear down metal fencing.
1: Turn up, turn up, okay. Uh,
2: the birds are very defensive of their young, and they've been, they, there have been two documented cases of humans being attacked by them. So they usually leave us the hell alone, I guess, unless we're trying to mm-hmm. fuck with the babies.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, huh. Bradley reminded mm-hmm. that these things are supposed to be birds. The leg muscles of emus uh, contribute a similar proportion of the total body mass as do the flight muscles of flying birds or as I like to think of as less terrifying sky dinos. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Now, when these crazy-ass ground dinos are walking, their stride is about 3.3 feet, but when they're in a full-on sprint, it's almost three times as long at nine foot per stride. Damn. So longer than they are tall. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, even one stride when they're walking is a yard. Yeah. Uh That's insane. It's insane. Their feathers are colored and designed in such a way to keep them from overheating. And provides a natural camouflage. They also have those crazy ass double eyelids, like in uh, um, Men in Black,
4: mm-hmm. you know, with uh, the dude
2: standing on top of the building and he blinks yeah. and he blinks again. Yeah. 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 Uh, one is regular, the other one is translucent that blinks sideways. Huh. And their skin is blue. Blue fucking skin. Hmm. That's it. I'm calling alien. Yeah. That's an <laughs> alien goddamn True.
1: dinosaur Everything on this Australia. planet. Is fucking alien,
4: bro. <laughs> Everything it'll yeah.
1: show you. Uh, Animal-wise. They <laughs> boom
2: and grunt with an inflatable throat pouch that they can regulate to get certain pitches. It's mostly used in courtship rituals, announcing their territory, and to issue a threat to rivals. A high-intensity boom is, a, is audible at 1.2 miles away. Ooh, mm. I'm going to give you a little That's sample cray cray. of what these fucking things sound like. Okay. That's supposed to be a bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, a drum. <laughs> like a fucking, uh,
3: yeah, a djembe. Well, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> the aborigines. That's yeah. not an amiib. is <laughs> that
1: crazy? That's a fucking dinosaur, bro. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Jurassic Park. It's shit.
2: a goddamn blue skinned
1: dinosaur. Yeah.
2: What the fuck? So cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nice uh, beat intro, right there. <laughs> Take that in the studio. So they were uh, they were used as a source of food by Indigenous Australians and early European
2: settlers. Emus are inquisitive birds and have been known to approach humans if uh, they see unexpected movement of a limb or a piece of clothing. In the wild, they may follow and observe people. Aboriginal Australians used a variety of techniques to catch the birds, including spearing them while they drank at water holes. Because keep in mind, they'd just shove their head underwater yeah. and
1: drink for 10 minutes. It's like, <laughs> 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 so when you wake up in the morning and you get that water bottle yep. the nightstand, uh-huh. just gulp this. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, catching them in nets and attracting them by imitating their calls or arousing their curiosity with a ball of feathers and rags dangled from a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they want to play... They're, uh, they're not all the way smart. <laughs> <shit>. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a cat toy. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also used uh, the pichuri thorn apple or others, mm. some other similar poisonous plant to contaminate a water hole, after which disoriented the emus, were easier to catch. They would poison the water hole, and it didn't kill them. It just made them a little loopy for and a just second. drunk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they just get them a little drugs, and like, okay, cool. Now we can corral this. Mother. Making them easier to catch. Not easy to
2: catch, no, but easier. Easy, easier. <laughs> easier.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, another stratagem was for the hunter to use a uh, skin as design, uh, as a disguise. Sorry. Um, and the birds could be lured into a camouflaged pit trap using rags or imitation calls. Aboriginal Australians only killed emus out of necessity and frowned on anyone who hunted them for any other reason, like the Europeans. Uh-huh. Every part of the carcass had some use. The fat was harvested for its valuable multi- multiple-use oil, the bones were shaped into knives and tools, the feathers were used for body adornment, and the tendons substituted for string. The early European settlers killed emus to provide food and use their fat for fueling lamps. They also tried to prevent them from interfering with farming or invading settlements in search of water during a drought. So
1: these motherfuckers are like the American bison? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs>
2: and that, I mean, seriously, like <laughs> yeah, very similar wild, approach. Bro. Yeah, very, very similar <laughs> approach.
1: That's crazy.
2: So why am I talking about these cool, slightly terrifying, inquisitive, and alien as hell ground dinos? Well, here we go. In the years following World War One, the Australian government struggled to find things for their veterans to do upon returning home. From 1915, a soldier settlement scheme began to be rolled out across all states, and eventually it saw... 5,030 ex-soldiers given plots of land, which they were to convert into working farms, primarily to cultivate wheat and sheep. By September of 1920, the government had purchased 90,000 hectares for the veterans, but still needed more and started to place the remaining soldiers in some pretty marginal areas of Perth and Western Australia. This made things tough, because setting up a prosperous farm with little to no experience in a good area is no small feat, let alone an area where the land is barely usable. Then the America's uh, economy tanks, and the crops in the Midwest fall of uh, fail of America, and a massive drought, followed by the Dust Bowl, caused us, Americans, to place tariffs on our imports. All of this causes the onset of the Great Depression in 1929. Now, back in Australia, these veteran-turned-farmers were encouraged to increase their wheat crops. But since Australia relied heavily on exports of goods and produce, with the government promising and failing to deliver assistance in the form of subsidies, in spite of the recommendations and the promised subsidies, wheat prices continued to fall, And by October 1932, matters were becoming intense, with the farmers preparing to harvest the season's crop while simultaneously threatening to refuse to deliver the wheat. Hmm. And now enter our ground dinos. (laughs) The difficulties facing the farmers were increased by their arrival of as many as 20,000 emus. Jesus, shit. Emus regularly migrate after their breeding season, heading to the coast from inland regions. With the cleared land and additional water supplies being made available for livestock by the Western Australian veteran farmers, the emus found that the cultivated lands were a good habitat, and they began to foray into farm territory. In particular, the marginal reg- uh, the marginal farming land around Chandler and Walgoolan, Wow, sorry, Walgulin. The emus consumed and spoiled the crops, drinking all their water, as well as leaving large gra- gaps in the fences, because remember their claws can tear mm-hmm. through fencing, mm-hmm. where rabbits, that's right, bunnies, mm. could bunnies. enter and just decimate the rest of the crop.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, just snack and walk <laughs> it's Like, bro, they got a, they got a free supermarket <laughs> over here, bro. you just walking in <laughs> motherfucking damn, Mr. McGregor's <laughs> Garden over here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit.
2: <laughs> and then on top of all of that there was the issue of the like so you had all these ones that are migrating from their mating season but there's another like tens of thousands of them that were living in that area mm-hmm. that the Australian government tried to give to these other veterans, Mm -hmm. and they left for migration. So you had all the birds that are passing through that are like, oh, shit, water, wheat, dope. And then there's all the other ones that are like, okay, time to go back home, Mm -hmm. which is there. (laughs) (laughs) The emus had been a protected uh, native species up until 1922 when they'd been made uh, such a nuisance of themselves and on wheat farms before all of this um, that they were officially reclassified as vermin. So, that takes us back to late 1932 where we have 20,000 of them wreaking havoc on the marginal wheat farms of the beleaguered veterans and even these men, trained riflemen, who felled thousands of the mighty birds, could not put a dent in their numbers. Bounties were put on their beaks, but to no avail. (laughs) The veterans <laughs> couldn't get across, uh, access to the ammunition they needed, so they called on the Australian military <laughs> to take action.
1: <laughs>
2: Pretty ludicrous idea. <laughs> Sending the army to cull 20,000 flightless giant birds. <laughs> but as Mary Johnson suggests of the journal, uh, in the Journal of Australian Studies, it could have been a propaganda exercise to show that the government was doing something to protect its struggling war heroes. So the farmers relayed their concerns about the birds ravaging their crops and a deputation of ex-soldiers were sent to meet with the minister of defense, Sir George Pierce. Having served in World War I, the soldier settlers were well aware of the effectiveness of machine guns and they requested their deployment. The minister readily agreed, although with conditions attached, the guns were to be used by military personnel. Troop transport was to be financed by the Western Australian government, and the farmers would provide food, accommodation, and payment for the ammunition. Remember, these guys can't sell the fucking wheat if the birds hadn't have eaten it in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. the
2: fuck are they supposed to come up with this money for these right? bullets? <laughs>
1: yeah. And they're providing food for these motherfuckers. And they're somehow feeding them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Pierce also supported the deployment on the grounds that the birds would make good target practice. While it has also been argued that some in the government may have viewed the operation as a way of um, just being seen as helping them, right? As I said earlier, uh, to help stave off the succession movement that was brewing. Towards that end, a cinematographer from Fox Movie Tone was enlisted. So you got troops... And a camera crew. Yeah. Going down. And emus. To fucking machine gun down a bunch of flightless birds. Jesus. Just just (laughs) make
1: sure
2: everybody's on the same page here.
1: (laughs) This sounds like a ridiculous plot for a movie. Mm -hmm. Like Tropic Thunder type of vibe. So
2: led by (laughs) Major GPW Meredith of the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery. The army set out in October but rain scattered the birds, making this our first setback of a pretty hilarious situation. (laughs) But on November 2nd, 1932, armed with two Lewis machine guns and 10,000 rounds, they were still determined to gun down a small group of 50 birds in the district of Campion. But apparently the goal was to collect 100 pelts to make hats for the light horsemen. (laughs) No clue where the hat thing came in, and it's not mentioned anywhere else. And also, I don't know how they're going to turn a hundred bird—I mean, fifty birds—into a hundred birds worth of pelts, right? I've, but you know, here they're we go. They're pretty big birds, I guess. Ah. What is two, still. <laughs> real two quick, yeah, real quick on the Lewis machine gun. Uh, the Lewis gun or the Lewis automatic machine gun is a first World War era light machine gun. Designed privately in America but not adopted. The design was finalized and mass produced in the UK and widely used by troops of the British Empire during the war. It had a distinctive barrel cooling shroud containing a finned aluminum uh, breech-to-muzzle heat sink to cool the gun barrel as it fired Uh and a top mounted pan magazine that's probably the most distinctive part of it like you could pick this machine gun yeah. up and walk with it yeah it had that big. Yeah, that had that huge had big box uh, of drum on it yeah. basically yeah that was um a whole bunch of rounds pointing out yep. and so it would spiral yep. and then fire out that way
1: yeah yeah um we've all seen the war movies right yeah 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 uh <laughs>
2: It served until the end of the Korean War, which is kind of fucking crazy, and was widely used as an aircraft machine gun during both world wars, almost always with the cooling shroud removed if they're up in the air because, you know, fucking flying in a plane it's going to cool it off just just fine. Mm. Just fine. The, uh, the Pan magazine held 47 to 97 rounds, depending on the size of it, but it could fire up to 600 rounds per minute. Jesus. And right I up. think they were using a, a 303 caliber bullet, so a bigger than a 45. Uh-huh. Yeah. for reference. Yeah. So they're spraying something bigger than a 45, 600 it, times a, a, a minute. Lot, a yeah. lot of them. Two times that because they had two guns yeah. with them at
1: birds. At birds. Birds, mind you, like large birds. Flightless birds. Big, That can only run in a direction. Birds. <laughs> 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 they can only run in, like, one direction at a time. Like, <laughs> Anyway.
2: Uh, so these are serious <laughs> fucking guns that took a fair amount of training to effectively operate. I just wanted to paint the picture that although the story is hysterical, that they brought some real firepower, especially yeah. in the 30s. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it's just fucking state-of-the-art shit yeah. in the 30s, yeah. bro. it's back to the war. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Emu War. Mm-hmm. The army moved in formation behind the birds, and the birds answered... Their organized assault with inspired chaos, scattering themselves in all directions to minimize the casualties. As the birds were out of range for the guns, the machine guns, the local settlers attempt to herd the emus into an ambush, but they split into even smaller groups, making it even more difficult. A second round of gunfire was able to kill, quote, who has a good Australian accent, by the way? Anybody? Nobody? my sinuses are all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> a number. There you go. Of birds. <laughs> a number. L- later the same day, a small flock of uh, was encountered, and perhaps it... A- I I can't do a shit. <laughs> perhaps a dozen.
1: <laughs> perhaps a dozen
2: birds were killed, but despite their best efforts, says Johnsons, the first blood in the bizarre emu war has thus been drawn by the Australian army. It was game on. They wanted to get 100, they encountered 50 birds, they maybe killed 12. They got 12 (laughs) with two 10,000-round light machine guns. (laughs) That's crazy.
4: Oh,
3: man.
2: Man. Two days later, the emus had their revenge. Concealed gunners sighted 1,000 emus nearby and established an ambush near a local dam. They waited patiently for them to make their way over. At point-blank range, says Johnson. The soldiers opened fire, felling maybe ten to twelve emus, which I'm starting to think they're just making that number up. Yep. But then the machine gun jammed, so oh, the, the the emus scattered once again, and no more birds were sighted that day. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn. laughs> <laughs>
3: it's
1: fucking wild, Yeah. <laughs>
3: And you know back then, like, you know, if, if an emu can run uh, 31 miles an hour, that's faster than most of the motorized vehicles, especially that the a military had, yeah. had at that point. Absolutely. Like tanks or in anything 30s, like that yeah. would just be like... Yeah.
2: <laughs> in the days that followed, Meredith chose to move further south where the birds were reported to be fairly tame. But there was only limited success in spite of his efforts. The media had a field day. Quoting one of the recruits as saying... The emus have proved that they are not so stupid as they are usually considered to be. Each mob has its leader, always an enormous black-plumed bird standing fully six feet high who keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal, and dozens of heads stretch up out of the crop. A few birds will take fright, starting a headlong stampede for the scrub. The leader always remaining until his followers have reached safety. Wow! So they have units, they like yeah. hierarchy, and shit. Yeah. Yeah. they're like
1: raptors, bro. Yes, uh-huh. they are for yeah. real. Like uh-huh. Fuck raptors!
2: At one stage, Meredith even went so far as to mount one of the guns on a truck. Drew, uh-huh. <laughs> a move that proved to be ineffective, <laughs> <laughs> as the truck was unable to gain on the birds. <laughs> <laughs> And the ride was so rough that the gunner was unable to fire any shots. And this plan officially came to an end when a bird's head got stuck in the steering wheel of the truck. Oh, wow. Or as another report claims, (laughs) uh, this is a quote from another report that's similar but different. This is definitely the same instance. A lone victim rendered himself a nuisance all the way to the end. His corpse getting tangled up in the vehicle's steering equipment, which caused it to veer off and destroy half a length of somebody's fence.
1: Wow, <laughs>
2: holy shit! <laughs> which the fence is there to
1: keep the rabbits out, yep. by the way. So, yep. so, you, got, so you got a, a kamikaze That's what I was about to say. Kamikaze fucking emu. This where I got us, dog. Trust me. <laughs> uh, Merked, <laughs> risking my life for this <laughs> shit, so bitch. So by
2: (laughs) by November 8th, just six days after the first engagement, 2,500 rounds of ammunition had been fired, which is a quarter of the allotted total. The number of birds killed is uncertain. One account estimates that it was 50 birds. (laughs) But other accounts range from 200 to 500. The latter figure being provided by the settlers. So we have to assume that that is... Not real. Yeah. Meredith's official report noted that his men had suffered no casualties. (laughs) Well,
1: that's nice. It was like, (laughs) listen to my guy. Good news,
2: bad news, guys. Uh, (laughs) Nobody died. So that's
1: cool. (laughs) Uh,
2: Also, barely any birds died. We shot a quarter
1: of our bullets. (laughs) (laughs) So 2,500 rounds and about (laughs) probably 60 birds. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So what's up. Surprised they didn't pull out tanks.
2: Now, when one <laughs> New Bomb South, uh, so when one New South Wales, well, an area, mm-hmm. state labor politician, inquired whether a medal was to be struck for those taking part in this war, his federal counterpart in Western Australia <laughs> <Al-Share> responded <laughs> that they should rightly go to the emus, who have won every round <laughs> so far.
1: <laughs> Holy shit.
2: Oh, got him. So... so <laughs> A second campaign oh, was mounted by Major Meredith on November thirteenth, killing forty this time. Oh, look at that. Two days later, barely any. But about a month later, it was reported that about a hundred were being killed every week. Even so, Meredith did the math and found that it took 10 bullets to bring down every one emu. Oh my god. Which is a pretty dismal
1: like fifty-cent effort. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> He's <laughs> probably going to take nine to the chest I'm like, cool. Oh, we good
2: uh, <laughs> it's, That's uh, a pretty dismal effort Against a huge pack of discount ostriches If you ask me
3: Try to get that and birdie
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> He was recalled And let's all praise Our skittery warrior bird giants The uh, great emu war Had finally come to an end Summarizing the culls uh, Ornithologist Dominic Serventy Serventi, Cerventi, thank you, Justin. That (laughs) sounds much better. Commented, the machine gunners' dreams of point-blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command evidently ordered guerrilla tactics, and its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made use of the military equipment uneconomic. A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew from the combat area After about a month. After the withdrawal, Major Major, Major Meredith compared the emus to Zulus Mm. and commented on the striking maneuverability of the emus, even while badly wounded. From Meredith, if we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. (laughs) They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus, whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. Horribly racist, but fucking what? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I wish we had people like these birds, you know. These motherfuckers are ridiculous, dog. They can Pretty take easy. bullets, they can keep running. Hmm. You know, they're fucking Iron Man, 50 Cent type motherfuckers. Kamikaze. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so despite the problems encountered with the cull, the farmers of the
2: region once again requested military assistance in 1934, 1943. In 1948, only to be turned down by the government every time. Instead, the bounty system that had been instigated in 1923 was continued, and this proved to be effective. 57,034 bounties were claimed over a six-month period in 1934. Damn. Yeah. But... Back to, uh, by December of 1932, the word of the Great Emu War had spread, reaching the United Kingdom. Some conservationists were uh, there, protested the call as extermination of the rare emu. Dominic, what did you say earlier? Cerventi. Cerventi, I like that. And <laughs> Hubert Whittle, the eminent Australian ornithologist, described the war as an attempt at the mass destruction of the birds. Throughout 1930 and onward, exclusion barrier fencing became a popular means of keeping emus out of agriculture areas, in addition to other vermin such as dingoes and rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to take a brief moment (laughs) to just really paint a picture here. (laughs) They sent a bunch of people to an area and they were like, grow wheat and sell it. And they're like, we don't know how. And then all of a sudden these birds come in and they're like, we got to shoot them with machine guns because that's what we know how to do. And it's like, oh, fit. Oh,
1: <laughs> we just uh, put fences up, bro. Right? Uh, we uh, put actual uh, fences, better
2: fences, better fences. Uh, um. Oh, yeah. Okay, um. yeah, that works great. Sorry, <laughs> Damn, sorry that was, about all the that's crazy. Sorry about all the bullets. Yeah,
1: yeah that's what I was about to say. About a tenth of the price of those bullets. Sorry about <laughs> almost like killing humans while wrecking trucks and shit. Look. The fuck,
4: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> Oh my God! In November
2: of 1950, Hugh Leslie raised the issues of emus in federal parliament and urged Army Minister Josiah Francis to uh, release a quantity of 303 ammunition from the army for the use for the use of the farmers. The minister approved the release of 500,000 rounds of ammunition. So they figured out 20 years ago: better fences work. Yeah, but in 1950 they were like, "Nah, we need more bullets. We
1: need bullets. <laughs> we need to fuck them up again." Jesus. It's like somebody got bored and was like, "Bro, you know what? We gonna shoot these damn birds again. If <laughs> we should do that <laughs> shit, I mean, my fucking uncle
2: was telling me about this crazy year where we just went out and shot a bunch of birds. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do that shit again. Bro. We got nothing else going
1: on right now. It's you know? boring
2: out here, you know." Yeah. <laughs> so check this shit out. In 2019, a musical adaptation of the story was workshopped in Melbourne yeah. by a play my, by playwright Simeon. Oof, I know. Uh, y- yeah, Yeah, sure. Y- um, obviously, he's native to the area, and composer James Court. So hopefully we'll get something from that. Yeah. But this is my favorite thing that I've seen. It was like right towards the end of an article that I was uh, we're you know using for all this stuff. A movie retelling of the events written by John Cleese, Monty uh, Franklin and Rob Schneider. Oh shit. Random as fuck. Oh, well, is slated for release in 2022. Oh, sweet. Oh, wow. I cannot fucking wait for this shit. Right? And I'm also really curious how they're going to turn this into a full-length movie. I found, like, maybe four articles, uh, and they were all less than, like, four pages. I don't know, I, man. I, I, the imagination a,
3: can run wild but
2: well, <laughs> I mean,
1: uh, yeah.
2: And I hope so much that they'll recover some old Fox movie-tone footage from this shit, because I couldn't find anything yeah. on that. So
3: <laughs> be that's great. locked
2: up somewhere, but I think if they've got movie money... <laughs> They can unlock that they fucking They need to have footage. John Cleese as
3: one of the like <laughs> Emu Battalion leaders too. I think he will be. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I
2: bet he'll be fucking Meredith in this story. You know, oh yeah, G.W. Meredith, whatever mm. the guy's name was. <laughs> that yeah. would be pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I picture them uh, with the actual raw footage, <laughs> we are gonna here. We're gonna show the world that we can like quill this shit, <laughs> and they record. It's like, oh, uh, oh, oh. Oh, we need to put this shit away. Oh, yeah. Like nobody can see. Mm-hmm. Nobody can, can see this incompetence.
2: I bet you more money <laughs> than I shit. have. There are so many moments where they're like, did you get one? No. <laughs> Fucking cut. <laughs> cut. 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 <laughs> <Mm-mm. laughs> No movie and pictures the, of this shit. And then oh they're like, all right, mind. I got a great idea. Let's put the machine gun on a truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. And then <laughs> it's just like <laughs> <laughs> into a fence. So and then they're like, I said fucking cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: not making a fucking 1990s found footage horror movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like some Tropic Thunder yeah. shit. <laughs> like a movie yeah. about making a movie that, is amazing. that goes horribly wrong. Oh, no. You know, like Jesus Christ. Hopefully they take that take on it. That'd be great. God almighty. Like if they're the film crew. But I'm legit so excited. <laughs> if this movie comes out, I'm fucking going to the theater for that shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: That'd be fantastic. Sure.
1: Yeah. That's fucking hilarious, man. Well, the fucking Great Emu War. That's it. Yeah. In the 30s. That's
2: my take on the Critter Corner.
1: What do yeah. you think, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never in my fucking life heard of that. No, the That's great. The Great Emu War. Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, man. Reminds oh, and me. props
2: to our buddy Sam Capazzo. He is the one who told me about this. I was
1: fascinating, yeah, yeah,
2: I was telling him way back. I was like, "If you have any ideas for something that you'd like me to cover, just let me know." Uh. And he was like, "Oh shit, I got you this right here
1: <laughs> like boom, <laughs> yeah,
2: and he sent me. The link to the Wikipedia page, and I gotta say, this is the first time in my entire life that a Wikipedia page has made me just fucking cackle (laughs) in a corner by myself. I'm just like a crazy person cackling. That's
3: amazing.
1: My wife is like, "What are you doing over there?" It's like,
4: read Wikipedia,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and this shit is hilarious.
4: (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah Damn, that's, that's wild shit man that's wild. That's shout, <laughs> shout out to the capacitor for that man and uh you know shouts out to y'all if y'all got any things you'd like to hear covered on this here podcast you can always email us at friends period facts period fiction at gmail.com um don't forget that and uh also for next week's episode uh i'd say go watch the harder they fall yeah on netflix but anyway um yeah, we're gonna be back next week with some hot facts, man. Uh, and then maybe listen to mine again as a palate cleanser because I think
2: next week's gonna be kind of dark, right?
1: No, no, I'm, I'm, gonna wa- put a I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on the dark one. Oh, you are. Okay. I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for the, uh, the, the fourth one there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that second one's going to take uh, a lot more. That, yeah, that okay, second one's cool. a big, nice little punch in the brain there. Yeah, that second one's going to take <laughs> a, a lot more research, It's a sad boy. Yeah. yeah, it's going to yeah. take a lot more research. I'm sure anyway. they don't want us to know about it. I yeah. know. Uh, I don't know what anybody to know, but you got to keep some chips in the back. Bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm talking about the American government. Oh. Well, that's that's not talking about over on air, man. You know, they listening. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Come at me. Actually don't, please don't. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not that this matters about anything, but I was at work earlier today and randomly yelled out Booger Sugar. Yeah. And um YouTube music played without saying anything. Um Casey Jones. Oh, nice. Like literally, I went, Booger sugar. And he went. Bow, 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 and I was like, did you guys
1: just and they were like,
3: they're listening. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, they are here, bro. Well, Watch the little <laughs> Lexus and Google boxes you got in your house, I'm telling you. Uh but anyway. Uh yeah, the great Emu Award. That shit's hilarious. Um, thank y'all for listening. Uh, we love y'all. Remember, you're beautiful, you can do anything the fuck you want to in this world. Uh, I'm Justin Hammonds, and I'm saying love, love life because it's worth living, y'all. I'm Drew Shellnut, and
3: I'm saying stay informed, make a difference, and happy
1: birthday, Jeremy. Yay, happy birthday, Jeremy. <laughs>
2: Uh Grant Bramlett here. Everybody out there, if uh you thought bullets were a better idea than a fucking fence to keep your crop safe. For land birds. I never liked you. <laughs> but if you can find me that fucking Mox Fox movie tone footage of them doing that <laughs> dumbass shit, I will always love you. <laughs> Please, God.
4: I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. Oh, that's amazing. Oh,
1: man. Anyway, uh, thank y'all for tuning in, man. Uh, stay safe. Happy holidays. Uh, Smile big. All that bullshit. Um, this is a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction.
0: And we out. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next installment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things Friends, Facts, and Fiction. Our Instagram handle is friends underscore facts underscore fiction. As always, please reach out to us. You can send any of your questions, praise, and fact-checking to friends period facts period fiction at gmail.com. It's important to us to only propagate the truth, and we'll correct any errors we may have made. Your hosts and researchers are Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shelnut. Our episodes are produced by Grant Bramlett. Additional producership provided by Grace Higgs. Our recording engineer is Grant Bramlett. Our editor, mix, and mastering audio engineer is Jeremy Mulder. Lighting design is provided by Justin Hammonds. Our office assistants are Gully and Bull. Our research assistants are Under and Paid. Our current interns are Lost and Questionable. Our personal drivers are idlist and Tired. And our resident pooches are Pack. And Jolene, the devil child. This has been a production of Friends Facts and Fiction.